listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 78 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about no? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Ovigie, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our guest tonight is our only regular guest that has no commute to the Cinemental headquarters for recording purposes, or as I like to call it, chirp. (laughs) Our guest tonight is a renowned writer of published short stories and creator of children's books the world has yet to enjoy. Deirdre Books, welcome back to Cinemental. Thank you for having me. What is happening? (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) So, uh, let's suffer from consumption. Weird. (laughs) Who would like to go first, Latham or Hassan? Oh, Hassan. Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch anything this week. I was writing. Uh, I I watched. Um, uh, uh, WandaVision. Yeah, I watched WandaVision, and um, uh, it's Snowpiercer again. Mm. Well, not again, but the newest yeah. episode. I watched the first episode. I watched the pilot of uh, Superman and Lois. Finally, mm. okay. Um, I watched a documentary on Netflix about murders in the Mormon community. So do we. Um, oh, I, which I don't that. know if I finished. I'm trying to. It's just, only three it, episodes. It's short. Yeah, and I, it dawns on me I might have fallen asleep before I. You know, <laughs> and then, and then I woke up and just started watching something else, so which which has happened more than once, unfortunately. But that's just the life I lead. You know, it's exciting. Um, okay. But it wasn't bad. I mean, it, didn't, it wasn't really. It was. Yeah. It was. It, was, it was, wasn't uh, very engrossing. It wasn't engrossing, but it was pretty effed up. You know, if you want to, oh, want the to story, the story was effed up, yeah, for sure, just blowing people up. You know, like that's that's kind of, but um, and then I watched um, I don't know, um, it then it's just a bunch of uh, documentaries and stuff that you know, just the have things just come and go. Have you stuck with Clarice and the Equalizer? I have ah, the Equalizer's on hiatus um until the Already? end of the. It's it, it it showed three episodes and now they preempted it to show something else, huh. um and it's coming back at the end of the month. Okay. Um or later in this month, I guess for the March Madness, it's on CBS, so it might oh, be. Oh, okay. And it's uh, it's on CBS at eight o'clock on a Sunday, so that's probably you know prime real estate for yep. absolutely uh, for sports venues. Um, and. Uh, yes, I watched two episodes of Clarice last night because I had missed them for the last two weeks. Right. And it's, um, I, I will say I like it. I don't know if I feel like it's, it's kind of, it's got a firm grasp, 
on what it is or what it's trying to be yet. Okay. But I do like it. I do like the the principal characters. So that's good. Um, because you do, you know, like even even uh, the the Paul Krendler character and a couple of the other people that satellite characters around Clarice. I don't know. She's the one I, I feel the most is, ambiguous about. Is you know? Jack Crawford there? No. Oh, he, okay. he is, it's, it is implied that his his department is the department she just left to go join the VICAP, uh, okay. uh, wherever she is right now. So, yeah. but it, he, the Jack Crawford was not mentioned by name, nor was Hannibal Lecter, although they did recently, they did refer to him as the cannibal. So, you know, uh, that's funny. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I'm hoping that things will will even out, and they're not going to try to lindle off their way through the whole thing. <laughs> um, it is Alex Kurtzman, so there is a, there's. Oh, a, is it know, really? The, yeah, oh, the, I DNA didn't know of, that. the DNA of Lindelof is is very present, um, and it's it's got the same kind of intense, engrossing yet completely scatterbrained. Um, presentation that star trek discovery has where it's like really good it's really intense and now it's really stupid okay now it's good again now it's stupid you know so it's just this weird combination of 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 well thought out uh uh, scenarios with a lot of stupidity and this show is hasn't done anything like that yet but it's kind of given you hints that it's you know at any minute now she could be at a circus making balloon animals, you know, for no reason, you know. So wow. I'm waiting. You know, okay. I'm 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 waiting it out. I haven't recommended it yet, but I'm I'm waiting it out. I'm I'm huge fan of that book and I'm huge fan of that uh of of I'm a huge fan of all of Thomas Harris's books, but most but that book in particular. And I'm a, a giant fan of the movie, of the uh, the original movie with Jodie Foster. So I'm I've I've got high hopes for it, but we'll see. Right. And then I watched these two movies that we were that we were talking about today. And the and two that movies is... that we covered on Saturday. Yes, I did I did and I ended up watching those uh, The 400 Blows and Blow Up. Yeah, I watched that and we were watching those uh Friday night like right. at four o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> that's why which is why I was in such rare form on Saturday. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was my consumption. It wasn't uh and the rest of it's just been writing. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Let's we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, well, you know, I'm on schedule. I'm still on my schedule. So that's uh, no one's more shocked about that than I am. Excellent. Than All right, Lay, you ready? Yep. Go for it. Uh, I watched session nine, which was decent. Uh, I wouldn't say it's fantastic, but it's, it's a good movie. Uh, I watched an old movie called Jezebel with um, uh, Betty Davis and Henry Fonda from like 1930. Oh, yeah. What did you say? I said, yes, I know the movie you're talking about. Yeah, I saw movie. that. that That's a really, really good movie. She she puts on an acting clinic in that movie. And uh, I watched the first three episodes of WandaVision and uh, extremely well-made show, but I'm growing very impatient by the third episode. Let's put it that way. At least you don't got to wait from week to week. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, 
I mean, thank goodness I don't because it's, I don't know. I, I kind of have an idea the, of what they're doing, but it's, it's, it's the a, next, the next episode is going to reveal everything. Okay. If not the episode you're currently watching, the very next episode is going to reveal everything. The fourth one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I figured it's got to be soon. It's, it's well, it's well done. It's, you know, they're, it's just for a Marvel movie, it's got to move faster with what they've said as precedent. So I know it's not a movie, but whatever. It's, it's not, uh, I, I'm sure I'll like it when it's all said and done, but it's, uh, it's just trying my patience a little bit. And uh, that's all we watch besides our usuals that we're running through. Nothing exciting on those. Um, Yep, that's it. So, um, so uh, yeah, so uh, uh, we recorded a show on Saturday, and so we had some extra films to throw in. Uh, one of which being the Four Hundred Blows and Blow Up, uh, which those shows have already been out. So you should go listen to those with uh, Stephen Jevedon. Uh, but uh, in addition to those, uh, and, and I rewatched Session Nine as well, which he co-wrote and starred in. I watched uh, a, a 70s sci-fi movie called Marooned uh, hmm. about three astronauts trapped in a space capsule uh, on a moon mission that uh, they, their, their capsule uh, malfunctioned and they couldn't fire their rocket, their retro rockets or whatever. So basically what was going to happen is they were going to run out of oxygen. So it's basically a, a two-hour movie built on the idea of um you know very it's very apollo it's a very uh early apollo 13 without it being apollo 13 um it's them it's ground control trying to figure out a way for them to make the repairs they need to uh and in the end it ends up being they actually work out a way to send another ship up uh in order to intercept but you know uh, a little bit different series of 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 problems present themselves, which is different from the Apollo thirteen events. So, okay. was it good? Did you enjoy it? Uh, it was fine. It was okay. It was uh, <clears throat> it was fun because it was, they actually used a ton of stock footage. Uh, you know NASA, you know NASA stuff, rocket launches, all that kind of stuff. They used a ton, a ton of stock footage, but um. Yeah, it was fine. It was, you know, the 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 astronauts were uh, uh, James Franciosa, uh, Gene Hackman, and what's Richard it called? Oh, oh, I see Malone. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, their their man oh. on the ground was Gregory Peck. Oh, well, it's got a you, sol- it's got God, a solid cast. So yeah, um, you were in good hands. Yeah, eighty <laughs> seven. So you um, can't go wrong with Richard Crenna and, and Gregory Peck. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's got a little uh, got a little sadness to it. It's got a little you know, yeah, beatness to it. It's got it's got a little uh, a little bit of uh, 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 let's solve the issue of the Cold War through man's need to explore space. It's got a little bit of a, the Russian side of things That's, coming into it. Um, yeah. So, you know, to, a la 2010. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that was obviously clearly, I mean, this was taking place like during the cold war. So it's like, you know, that was still full in effect at the time. Right. Okay. It's all what a maroon. 
Uh, and then I watched uh, a, uh, a, uh, a highly awful. suspect Burt Reynolds, uh, uh, ex-CIA guy. Uh, essentially, it's ex-CIA guy, Doc Hollywood. He, you know, he's driving through the West and he stops in this little town because his big car robot. has a problem. And he gets stuck in this little town. But the little town has, uh, has rich developer Cliff Robertson trying to buy up all the local people's land so they can put in a resort and golf courses. And... Uh, and oh. so, you know, you know, Doc Hollywood slash Roadhouse is really what it comes down to because it's <laughs> basically but Burt Reynolds ends up, you know, fighting all the bad guys and whatever. Malone. Yeah. Um, a nice, uh, a nice appearance by Cynthia Gibb. Uh, oh, wow. How yeah. old was that movie? Uh, oh, God. It's, yeah. Something like that. No, mid eighties. I think it was yeah, either right, either right before or right after Young Blood. I'm not hundred percent sure. She looked younger than she was in Young Blood, but um, I'm not what sure. What happened to her? She's still around. She's still acting. She, you know what she does now? She's uh, she's owned by the Hallmark Channel. Oh, well, they actually own her. Well, yeah. she's done, she, her last like if you look on IMDb, like twenty of her last twenty five acting gigs have been in Christmas movies. It's good work if you can get it. Yeah. Um, Activate the Cynthia model. <laughs> I watched uh, the three movies for our show on Saturday. I watched uh, I watched Saturn Three because I realized I had never oh, seen it. Wow! Before. Yeah, With, uh, Kurt Russell, Kurt Douglas, Kurt Douglas, Farrah Fawcett, and Harvey Keitel. It's uh, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, no, it's not. Those three little robots, right? No, that's Silent yeah, the, Running. That's Silent Running. That's, okay, that's a great movie. I've seen Saturn Three though. That's yeah. not even. That's not even Kurt. That's not even Kurt Douglas in uh, in uh, Silent Running, right? Isn't that no? Um, that's Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern. Okay, yep. sorry. Um, I get my flinty old white guys uh, mixed up sometimes. <laughs> um, I watched a movie from '75. So this is one of these movies that, um, much like Laser Blast and Food of the Gods. It's one of those movies that, well, not Food of the Gods, but Laser Blast, uh, that came out in the 70s, was a horror film that I knew about because of my reading of Fangoria and Starlog and all that kind of stuff. But I was not old enough to actually attend in the theater. So uh, I watched this movie from 1975 called Bug, uh, which is oh. got, basically there's a, uh, an earthquake. Uh, cockroaches, these big cockroaches come out. And they can they start, set fires, they right? Can start fires, yes. Yeah, I hate that movie. <laughs> and uh, and it's got Bradford Dillman uh, is the main guy in it. And it actually is not the movie I I kind of expected it to be. Um, I mean, it was for like the first half, and then it kind of switches gears and becomes this sort of weird man locked in a house with bugs that he's learning to communicate with thing. And uh, uh -huh. it just it just went sideways,er from there. Um, which it uh, will, <laughs> and then De and then Deirdre and I watched a uh, a horror movie called Madhouse, uh, which was okay. Uh, again, not great. Uh, and then and then Sunday morning, I watched the second installation of In Search of Darkness, which was uh, the second four and a half hour documentary about uh, '80s horror films uh, released on video, so released on VHS which was phenomenal. Which, where's that streaming? Uh, it's not yet. It just came uh, out. Uh, you can find it 
in various ah, places. Yes. You can you can actually stream the first one on Shutter. But it's okay. it's also like four fifteen, four and a half as well. So it's a good solid nine hours of really good Jesus. digging digging deep into the world of eighties video horror it's uh the nice thing i really like about these two films is i know a lot about that era but there are still films that pop up on that movie that i never even knew existed so i now like are am trying to like track them down myself to, to watch them because i just think they'll be fun to watch you know i mean obviously they cover the ones everybody knows chud humanoids from the deep Ugh. all the all the 80s stuff <laughs> freddy jason all the you know all the all the killers but you know and then they go through the second one digs a lot deeper obviously because they cover all the main ones in the, in the first four-hour movie um and then i watched the two movies for this week which we'll be talking about in a few minutes and uh and then as far as television goes um we watched that murder among the mormons uh three-part series on netflix uh we watched i watched uh, in the office wow. i ran uh, two seasons of a show called Murder City, a uh, British TV series from 2010 and 2011, I think. And yeah, you Chris, talked about that uh, also yeah, Saturday. I just started it. Chris Marshall and Amanda Donahoe are the two main characters. Uh, Amanda Donahoe is great. And Chris Marshall is the goofy guy from Love Actually who goes to America to find Chick. true love. Uh, Not true uh, love, just chicks. Well, yeah, it goes to find chicks, but uh, he's the he's the, his British accent. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then, uh, no, no. What I started watching last week was a series called Murder Town. Murder Town. And this Murder, one's called. Well, Murder, Murder City? City is is a scripted a script. No, it's a scripted uh, police procedural show, whereas Murder Town oh. is true crime. Oh, my God. Let okay. me know anyway. when you get to Murder Village. <laughs> yes, I, I keep. I'm keeping my eyes out for it. Murder I want to know about murder building since murder I live building. in a building. I, I want to know about murder. And building. then we finished the first season of that French TV series Black Spot, um, also known as White Zone. Zone, bl- <laughs> Zone Blanche, yes, uh, which actually means White Zone in French. But apparently, that what they loading and unloading uh, only. <laughs> no, what it refers to is a spot where there's no cellular phone coverage. I, I know. You don't oh. know that joke? The white zone is for loading and unloading only. Airplane. There's no. All right. It's airplane. All right. Never mind. Oh, sorry. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh, I've seen airplane Thank like you, once. And it was like 25 <laughs> years ago. Um, yeah. So anyway, Black Spot, uh, it turned a corner in the very end of the first season that I'm not particularly happy with. Mm. And. I'm curious to see how they're going to reconcile it in the second season, but they've gone out of their way throughout the first season to hint at a possible supernatural element in the forest throughout the season in various, various times and episodes, but never anything specific. And what they did at the end of the first season was basically went straight to the wall and said, here's the supernatural element. And it just did something absolutely unbelievable. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about Deirdre's first movie pick. 
Hmm. So Deirdre's main film pick is The Wizard of Oz. And who might you be? If you please, I am Dorothy. See you reach the wizard. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wins, if ever a wizard was. If ever a weather of wizard was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. directed by Victor Fleming with a running time of 101 minutes. A teenage girl runs away from home, gets caught up in a cyclone, is whisked away to a faraway fantasy world. Once there, she is quickly put on a path to get back home, along the way making some interesting new friends and learning some valuable lessons about what home really means. Deirdre, why did you pick The Wizard of Oz? I picked The Wizard of Oz because... Because, 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 because. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry. I would have gotten, gotten slapped if I did that. Nope. And don't think I didn't think about doing that. <laughs> because um, it's a classic. And I grew up watching it every year. And I finally got to see it on the big screen at Lafayette Theater in Suffern. Uh, that must have been cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And I just really loved it because I loved how it went, how it transitioned from, you know, not really color. It wasn't really black and white. So it well, uh, back when you Sepia, first yeah. back when you first saw it, it was black and white. They, they, they it was for 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 about 20 years. The only way you could see it. Uh, was a black and white copy. The the sepia tone prints were all the theatrical prints only, and all of the video versions and versions that were sent to TV and and video were all black and white. Which they then, when the restorations started in the, for DVD and Blu-ray, they then returned them to the sepia tone that they should have been. It was just really cool, and I I vaguely remember as a child, my parents turning it on and saying we should watch it and it was black and white and we were like bad it's black and white we don't want to watch this old crap but then <laughs> you know we watched it and it had such a beautiful transition to color and it was just perfect and it was such an imaginative and creative and beautiful world and it was a lot of fun yeah, uh, at, at my age, uh, there, there, there's not a time in my life that this film didn't exist. So this is a movie that, as far as movie watching goes, I've always felt like it's there. It's been there my whole life, and it's been there 
it's been something that I've enjoyed that whole time. Obviously there's been plenty of movies that have been around my whole life, but you know, as a kid, I don't remember watching the Godfather and thinking, Oh my God, that's a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but I'd seen the wizard of Oz and, you know, thought it was, you know, a, an amazing fun thing to watch. Uh, you know, I, it would play once sometimes twice a year. Um, you know, I watched it with probably a fairly consistent regularity. It was a yearly watch. So I probably saw it a bunch of times when I was younger, probably until my teens. Uh, and then I probably didn't see it again until the, the last 10, 12 years when we went and saw it on the big screen at the Lafayette. And it was, it was so great to see a restored version on the big screen, you know, and it's as close as I'll ever be to being able to experience that film the way the world did, you know, but obviously not. I mean, Technicolor films had been around since 1917. You know, it's a thing that most people don't realize that color films wasn't like a magical thing in the 1930s. They were around. They were just really expensive to make. And for them to decide to go this direction uh, was a big deal. And, you know, watching it this week again, since that time we watched it in the theater for the first time all the way through, just looking at everything. Again, I was able to catch things that I don't remember ever seeing before. There's a, there's a certain shot where all of a sudden the film was reversed. I noticed that everybody's outfits were backwards. And I said, wait, what's going on there? And then literally in the next shot, everything's back to normal. Everything's back to normal again. Uh, and I found out why I, I actually discovered in my digging why that shot is backwards in there for like whatever, four seconds or five seconds, however long the piece of footage is. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect blend of musical drama, comedy, uh, pathos, everything. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's on every, every list of the top 50 films of all time. You're going to find this movie there. Uh, it's always going to be in, 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 anyone's list of of great films i i don't yeah i don't know i i I, this is a this is an amazing movie for me when i i'm trying to think back if i can even i I was trying to think back today if i could even remember you know first seeing it and just that that sequence where she opens the door and you've been watching this black and white movie and she opens the door and all of a sudden the entire world is in color and it's just it's it's Comparable to the scene in the, the Close Encounters, where the boy opens the door, and a whole universe outside is like red and and over and washed out and blown out. Um, and it's I, you know I never honestly thought about that scene, but it's interesting that you bring that up because in a way, in a way, it does kind of make a little sense that that is something I wonder. I I would love to know if he was at, if he actually took that from that that he was going to another you know, opening the door to a different world. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, every single character, every single actor in this movie is right on, uh, you know, uh, I've got a bunch of notes about different stuff, but, uh, you know, the, the, the process for making this film was, was an arduous one. It was not a smooth filmmaking project. It didn't, things didn't go, didn't go easily. There were five directors, there were 14 screenwriters. There were, uh, you know, the the amount of people who worked and, and submitted, uh, you know, work to this to make this movie what it was and to have it come out this way 
is kind of kind of amazing. And the people involved with it are are not like just no name people from the time. These are like big name guys who who got involved in the process. But uh, you know, we'll we'll get back into that uh, after we get to your guys' uh, thoughts on how you feel about the Wizard of Oz, Lay. Uh, you know, this movie that came on TV whatever time of year, every time that it would be an event to watch it, you know, you'd sit down with your family and watch it. And, or if, you know, I was in my early teens, I'd still watch it every time. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond iconic. It's penetrated every level of pop culture to the level of someone thought that, you know, Pink Floyd recorded an album to it, which is, you know, preposterous but that's how far people have dug into this into this film being its own entity in pop culture and i think it's you know it's hard to touch this movie in a negative way it's it's a perfect film it doesn't have any flaws it's you know the the transition of color is you know it should be considered one of the um pivotal moments in cinema history it's rarely mentioned uh but that's you know there no other film does it no other film has that moment this is the only one yeah and no one's even tried to copy it uh that i know of if it a movie exists that does the same thing around that time i i don't know what it is not Um, around that time but that 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 gimmick has been used um a couple of times but not not at that time and not that at that level of proficiency i'm trying to think there's a couple of movies that are in black and white and then transition i mean like pleasantville i think does it somehow um yeah the more and more they start to expose the uh the 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 fakeness of the world that they're living in the color starts i mean wandavision did it you know so in the second episode a little bit um well let's not let's not talk about let's not spoil the film but uh yeah um, I, I mean, I'm not disputing you. You, you know, almost just get saying. a sense of it a little bit in in the char uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because uh, the whole beginning of that film is shot so drably and out yeah. of color. And then, but when he opens the doors into the factory the floor, Dream World, it's you know crazy town. So that that kind, of, I mean, again, it's not like Latham's point. It's not to the same effect, and clearly, it's not as as drastic. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great movie and everyone should see it at some point in their life. And it holds up pretty well for 80 years or 90 years or whatever we're at right now. 90 years, probably 80, 80 years. Um, 80 so, or something. Yeah. It's like 39. So, um, yeah, it's just, there's, there's nothing, nothing on its level of grandeur that I can compare it to certainly not from back then. So I'm sure the people that saw it back then didn't know, you know, we're, we're astounded, but it's uh, yeah, it's everyone needs to see it. That's for sure. It's just like, it's not like any other movie. It, it, it's a fantasy uh, meets real world. And it just, it has, a level of fairy tale elements that just make it so fun and let you just release all 
ideas of realism and go with the world that she's in. It's just so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And another part I like about it is it's a musical, but it never gets so heavy handed in it's sort of like overlaying of like songs and development of musical numbers like none of them none of them are more than a couple of minutes long generally it's like for the most part in throughout the movie it's like you never get sucked into a a long musical dance number and feel like this movie's a mute i mean i feel it was advised i never think of it as a musical even though it has music and and musical dance numbers going throughout the first two acts of the movie pretty solidly they disappear in the third act but i mean you know, you can't deny that this movie is has has a musical element to it. Clearly, and most of them are fun to sing, so people get along <laughs> with it. So right, <laughs> and some of them are great because they're like a minute long. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Hassan, Linda is a real wicked witch, right? Everybody's she's not a wicked. She's a witch. She's a good witch. No, she's not because she just used she just manipulated Dorothy into killing the last opposition. In Oz. Um, now you're talking about Wicked. <laughs> which is a different version of the Wizard right. of Oz. A different right. view. A completely different version. Just wondering than the, than if we're the all in the L. Frank Baum vision of Oz. <laughs> I'm just wondering if we're all in agreement to that because it seemed a little suspect to me that she showed up and then, you know, put her foot down with the. Uh, Wicked, Wicked, Wicked Witch of the West saying, you don't have any jurisdiction here and blah, blah, blah. Sorry, this house fell <laughs> on your sister, but I'm going to drop another house on you if you don't get out of here. Right, and, and then uh, she stole the sister's shoes. Yeah, gave it just, to Dorothy. Yeah, like, that was rude. <laughs> I could see why the witch, the Wicked Witch of the West would be annoyed. I'm, I'm telling you, she's manipulating the whole thing. I'm telling you. We, an, another thing is she didn't do anything. She could have sent Dorothy home the whole time. Right. And she sent so, her on this mission. It was great mm-hmm, that she met to all kill the wicked wizard of the West. great people. But then, yeah, it got scary. And and Dorothy was frightened. And It was on. bad. It was pretty bad. The Wicked Witch of the West was never in power because she was, she was literally trolling the whole time. She was literally <laughs> following Dorothy through the woods. You know? Anybody with Anybody with any level of power is not going to be crawling through the woods, hiding behind trees, watching Dorothy run into scarecrows and tin men, lions, and then throwing fireballs at them in the middle of, you know, if if she wasn't afraid. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I saw this movie when I mean, there's never been a time when I haven't when I I didn't understand this movie 100% and didn't see this movie and like I said I did do the movie in in school I'm intimate with the material watching it again today unfortunately you know you start to watch it with a with you start to watch it analytically and that's why that's when you start asking questions like why didn't uh, you know we could have we could have all gone home like an hour ago if, uh, if if Glenda just did this or told Dorothy it's like she she stole the shoes she gave her the shoes to Dorothy. All Dorothy wanted was to go home. She didn't tell her how to go home. She says, "Ah, oh, just follow this, follow this road that that forks out in four directions yeah, at one it, point." Maybe the wizard can help you. Yeah, <laughs> and well, she and learned a lesson. Glinda's got to know that wizard ain't real. That that guy's a phony. You know, um, 
nothing's easy in life. You have to work toward it. <laughs> right, right. Of course. The the I remember when I was a kid, the lion scared the hell out of me uh, when he first showed up. And he just comes out of the the yeah, and he's just, why he's like roughing instead of like yeah you know. yeah because you put him off, like put him off, not take you all together. Uh, he was a lion from the twenties. Yeah, yeah. 20s hey, Brooklyn. So you know but that was really. I'll beat you up with one paw behind my back. Yeah, that was really scary when I was a kid. Until he started joking around, and then I, you know, then then he became my favorite character. But in the beginning, you know, I also didn't know when I was when I was young that water rusted, you know, metal to the point where, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, why is he stuck like this? You know, what what, what are you? You know, that must have been terrible to be there for like over a year and just to see the oil can right in front of you and you're not even able to move. And apparently <laughs> nobody using that road for over a year gave a crap about the Tin Man to help him out. So that's that's so a, the Oz is something. an effed up place. Huh? You learn something about metals uh, yeah. and um, chemistry. Yeah, metallurgy yeah. and physics and yes, I oxidation. A, oxidation I, and, I was ready to be an astrophysicist by the time this uh, this this film was over. You know, right? I was like, Mom, school. We're skipping school, man. I'm going straight to NASA. <laughs> the yeah, the colors are crazy. the 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 imagery is crazy. The special effects are crazy. Um, the manipulation is is kind of crazy. Even the even the way the plot moves around, like to the point where they go to the, the they they run into the uh, the wizard. The wizard's like, nah, think about it. You know, get back to you tomorrow. And then you know, Dorothy <laughs> gets kidnapped, and they got to go invade the 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 castle. That's a really good stuff. And that castle, like as a matte painting, is just amazing. You know, it really is. And when you're a kid, that's just all of that is real. All of it is real. You know. So it's it's kind of terrifying. Um, you know, my grandmother, who is 93, just told me the other day that she saw it in the theater when it came out. And she did not like it because she was scared. <laughs> How old was she? Well, 19... she was 93. So yeah. I don't know. She was like. Nine or ten, I guess. Nine or ten, and she was scared. I'm sure I was like six or seven, and I was terrified. So you know, that kind of that tracks. That, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. The movie is is it's a crazy movie. It, it's not as good a movie as Under the Rainbow, which is one of the greatest movies ever made. I have Chevy, never well, seen that. Chevy Chase and uh, and Carrie Fisher um, about, about the making of yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's uh, don't watch it. It's it probably will. It's it no, probably it doesn't hold up today. It, it won't. It won't affect your your love of the movie. But it uh, it's kind of funny as a as a side as a sort of uh, uh, a coexisting document. Yes, if you want to if you want to grace it with that much uh, with with, yeah, with that well, much you know majesty. Um, it's it, the the Wizard of Oz is a fantastic film. I was not going to watch it because I've seen it so many times. So I was like, I'm not watching that movie. I'm going to watch this other movie that I these guys asked me to watch and then I ended up watching The Wizard of Oz and was like that's just like I can't believe how this was in the this was so long ago and all the technical stuff that I didn't bother to look at and all the times that I'd seen it before um were just you know just you know knocked me out you know and the colors is I still don't remember maybe and this is I'm not being facetious about this 
maybe until Thor Ragnarok, I haven't remembered noticing colors that vividly, you know, right. than in this movie. And I'm sure the sepia, the, the 20 minutes of sepia, <laughs> sepia tone, uh, you know, had an effect on that, you know, really affected the starkness of the colors. But the colors are really bright, especially yeah. everybody in emerald green. You know, that's crazy. Like everybody wearing green in the in, in an emerald city. Just everything, like the hills and the mountains and the trees and the poppy fields. It's just so many different colors and so There's many different areas. There's a lot of poppy fields in Oz. That that explains everything about Oz. All those poppy <laughs> fields. All right. Um, the the fact that she comes out of the the her house into a wonderland and just decides, oh, I must be over the rainbow, a place yeah. that she just invented like five songs ago, you know? That's <laughs> but she's a kid and she's built that in her mind. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. a real place to her. I must be over the rainbow. Yeah. Like, all right, Dorothy, you must be tripping. <laughs> you landed, you, you got picked up by the twister and landed in a field of poppies. That's why you're having this entire experience. I've never seen place. anything like this, so it has to be over the <laughs> over rainbow. rainbow. Yeah. yeah, either that or I hit my head really hard, and this is awesome. She wouldn't know, she wouldn't think that because she was a kid and she was stuck in that just phase of where she just really wanted to be quote go over the rainbow into this other world that has to be so beautiful and so interesting to her and just a, a lovely getaway but it was one of the interesting changes they make to the 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 core story structure of oz in general is the fact that in the original books it is a place it is a place that you go to yeah and in this film it's made very clear. This is a figment of her imagination. That this is a figment of her imagination. And the, she pulled all the people she knows into it to be these characters uh, in the story. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting choice that was made by one of the 14 screenwriters who came mm. in at a different time that is one of the two major changes to the original story uh that were made by herman mankowitz who would eventually no. who would who would eventually write citizen kane that was one of his his two things his contributions to his the contributions story. yeah he wrote he wrote a, a a 14 page outline draft i believe for the film for them uh, and that was one of the things that he had was to have this opening sequence based on the farm in Kansas. And then you would go to Oz and then you would come back and you would find out that it was a dream she had or, you know, something she experienced while being unconscious as opposed to actually going there. Um, one of the other, one of the other things to, to, a change that uh, written in one of the earlier drafts was when she land, when she woke up in Kansas, she was still going to have the Ruby slippers on. And oh. the studio felt that that would serve no purpose, but to confuse the audience yeah. about the existence of Oz and kind of the thing that they were building their story around, which was, it was a dream. Was high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was, a, you know, a, you know a, 
in service of her concussion or whatever you want to call it. She had all these issues that she had to work out to begin with. And by going to Oz, she had to go through them step by step and actually learn what she was missing this whole time. I mean, but what was she working out? She didn't really even run run away from home except for the Toyo situation, right? It wasn't like she was unhappy. At home, she no, left, she and once was... she found out that they were unhappy there, that she had gone, yeah, you know, she, she went to run straight back home, right? She felt that she was overlooked and that she wasn't getting enough attention, and she loved everyone around her, but she was just a kid, and they were put, putting her aside because they had work to do. And then this crazy old woman is trying to steal her dog and her aunt and uncle are like, there's nothing we can do, you know, whatever. Yeah, she's a rich old lady because she owns then, half the county, you know, right? Everyone's just humoring her and that and just like pushing her aside because she just, you know, she's a kid. So they're like, you know, we have more important things to do. So she needed to feel like she was important in their lives also. And by going to Oz, she became the most important person in their lives because she helped them all get to where they needed to go. Okay. I just made that up, but it sounded good, right? <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> the other the other problem, or it wasn't a problem, but the other issue I was having was I couldn't I couldn't uh turn off my fascination with how well trained the dog was oh my god me neither that was that dog <laughs> like, was an awesome actor holy yeah. crap first of all there were a couple of them but i'll okay. bet you they were and, whatever uh, and i they, can't and even ended... get my dog to come to me when i say come here <laughs> and well there's a there's a note in my in the notes that i went through about uh there sometimes took up to 12 takes to get the dog to run alongside them down the yellow brick road so i don't believe it they, they believe, believe it. me they had to they had their their tribulations as well they they apparently during one of the scene during one of the scenes with the the guards at the castle one of the castle guards stepped on toto and <gasps> and injured him to the point where they had to bring in another toto Oh, uh, for for a, for a couple of weeks while the other dog healed, uh, <laughs> stunned. Oh, so they let stunt the Toto. old dog come back in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they had a they had a stunt Toto come in and, uh, <laughs> you know, he never That's faced so the camera. You know, he was always shot from the side or from the back. You know, so he couldn't see his face. It's a little but... <laughs> blurry. <laughs> yeah, you know, running running at a distance. <laughs> It was, it was it i mean yeah the magic of uh, cinema but you while you're watching it as an adult all you could do is think about man how how hard was it to get that dog to do that you know because it yeah. just seems like dog is just attached to her hip you know and then right. and then it rescues her you know yep my my dog would have been like damn it's too bad about a song got captured by the witch um wonder my who's dog gonna feed me now away and <laughs> yeah. never come back yeah <laughs> Run to somebody else. I need a new source of yeah, food. And whined a lot, and they just would have been like, "What's the matter?" The other road, <laughs> he, he would have forked to the left instead instead of to the right on the yellow brick road, and I would never see him again. Uh, it was an amazing experience, like watching it. I know I say it all the time, but it really was like just sitting through it because I wouldn't have watched the Wizard of Oz. When am I gonna? Like, yeah, you know what I want to watch today? Exactly. A wizard of all, you know, like, but it's like 
almost everybody has seen. It just seems like one of those movies that yeah, everyone of course. has seen. We're off to see The Wizard, you know, when you're a kid. That's, I mean, you learn about these songs before you even see the movie. You know, you, you learn the, the lyrics of these songs before you, before you see the movie. I remember I knew we're off to see The Wizard before I sat down to watch The Wizard of Oz in my, in my, my grandparents' family room, right? Or, uh, you know, If I Only Had a Brain, which is the one that everybody likes the most, even though that song has like three different versions of it for each one of the, the right. companions. Um, but the, the most famous is if I only had a brand. I remember that I knew I didn't quite know the lyrics, but I knew that song. But yeah. when, when, you know, and I, I had no idea where all that came from. So that was like a second revelation while watching it for the first time. It's like, oh, this is where all this this is where all this music comes from that everybody's always talking about. So it's also weird, like to watch uh, the, the, the opening scene when, in Munchkinville or Munchkinland. And you see that that's you know whatever the the Hobbiton right yeah. or the Shire. Yeah. <laughs> you see the, the the spiral on the on the on the street, and you know that that's the the beginning of that's the, the Yellow Brick yeah. Road. Yeah, that's crazy. Like the implications that that road has, you know, and the the massive amount of contextual, you know. Uh, you know, analysis that's been done on the yellow brick road in the years that followed the film. And just to see it all like, so, you know, begin with like two or three bricks that expanded out and, and, you know, spiraled outward, you know, that's, there there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of context in that. So that was, that's pretty awesome. I liked that one. No, I was, uh, it was fun. And it just, it was, it was fun to go back to this and watch it again and watch. I've seen, I've caught little bits and pieces of it over the years, but I've never actually sat down other than when we went and saw it, uh, on the big screen, uh, eight or 10 years ago now. Yeah. I wish I was, I wish I would have known about that one. I would have gone to see that. They do it every year. They do play it. Every Um, year, every other year. When the when Lafayette is doing they its do big screen it things, the they 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 bring it back either once or once mm-hmm. or once every two years. So I mean, you when when things start going back to normal, we can definitely let you know the next time it's going to happen. Yeah, if I'd like you, to go see that. You want to come like up for the it. only it's, one that they go back to. Yeah, often you know. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's almost like a guaranteed. You know, of course. Yeah, there's probably listen, who knows how many times they've run it in their program, and they probably have at least one person and who's come to every single showing. You know, just because you know they love to see that movie on the big screen, and and, and rightly they so. Probably had new people come at right. every single showing who saw it for the first time. That's right, that's right. So yeah, there were uh, there were five directors on this film. Uh, Richard Thorpe was the original director. He shot for two weeks, uh, and then the studio was very unhappy with the direction and way he was shooting, and promptly fired him. They brought in George Cukor, and while George Cukor essentially came in, he knew he wasn't going to start doing any actual shooting. He was just sort of a stopgap. So basically what he did was I had sent you guys a photo of uh, blonde uh, Judy Garland and during he her screen. That blonde, though. Well, blonder than she is in the movie. Anyway, they had her in a blonde wig and a sort of extreme baby doll makeup uh, in this original footage that they started shooting with. And 
and Qcore got rid of all that. He also he also changed the way that the makeup was done for the scarecrow. Uh, I was not able to find any versions. None of the none of the footage exists that Thorpe shot. It was all it was all trashed, destroyed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. And that that's all the that also contained all the all the footage that they were able to get with Buddy Ebsen as the Tin Man before he had an allergic reaction to the makeup and was forced to leave the leave the role. Um, so anyway, so they, yeah, because they weren't using any, uh, uh, you know, health friendly product. No, it was like aluminum dust mixed with grease paint or whatever. And, and, and and mercury, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just just rubbed mercury on them. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, uh, so two weeks later, uh, they brought in Victor Fleming and Victor Fleming was on the foot on the, on the shoot for about six months. He shot all of the color Oz footage. Um, and then he was pulled off the film by MGM to replace Qcore on Gone with the Wind because they didn't like what he was doing with Gone with the Wind. So they pulled Victor Fleming off of this to go do that. Oh, they're just uh, cannibalizing each other, the, so each other's at, career. At that point, they brought in King Vidor and he shot all of the black and white sequences, all the Kansas footage. King Vidor actually it was kind of funny. King Vidor shot the film with Betty Davis with that, with the, what a dump line from who's afraid of Virginia Wolf, <laughs> the beyond the forest or whatever it was called. Yeah. Uh, and then producer Mervyn Leroy also filmed some of the transitional scenes or the second unit stuff. So there were five, five guys that were listed as directors, but uh, Victor Fleming is the one who actually got credit because he shot the, the most of the work that obviously it's shown on screen and George Cukor, Cukor actually never mentioned that he was even involved with the project uh, until after Victor Fleming passed away. Cause he was just like, there's no point in me bringing up the fact that I was even involved because you know, this was Victor Fleming's film. Yeah. I was going to steal his son's thunder. From Exa- him or exact, whatever. Exactly. Um, and like I mentioned, there were, you know, there were uh, uh, 14 different screenwriters who worked on this, including, uh, I don't know, Leigh, if you heard me talking about Herman Mankiewicz. Yeah. I heard everything. But a lot of a lot of guys came in, a lot of different ideas. Uh, a lot, uh, there's just some of the crazy stuff that's that was listed that I found that that could have been, you know, in these in these quote unquote reimaginings of Baum's novel about the different characters. You know, making them putting them in a real world sort of situation as opposed to like the actual fantasy world of Oz. You know, and they even told the guys we want to keep the basic the the core story that he's got. We want to keep that as part. And but there, these guys came and they did. There's just so many different, like just crazy concepts that were brought about. Over the Rainbow was nearly cut from the film. Uh, <laughs> MGM felt felt that that can it made this it made the Kansas sequence too long, as well as it being over the heads of the children, for whom they figured the movie would be a focus for. Uh, and they, they thought they also Studio thought that people. it was. Are you ready? This is a good one. They thought that it was degrading for Judy Garland to sing in a barnyard. What? <laughs> I which I don't. Which I, which I, is there any good decision? In a barnyard. She fell in a pigsty. Yes, but she would. She had nothing on her, though. If you notice, right. he oh, figured out she was pristine. It's like magic. Power. There's there's still, power at Latham's house. She can fall into right. a pigsty, but she can't sing like next to a tractor. Yeah, there's there's never in the history of movie making 
or in the the history of movie analysis, I would say, not movie making, there seems to have been never, never one time when the studio made a good decision. Yeah. So once. So this movie was screened once at its original running time of 120 minutes. Uh, It showed one test screening. They knew that they were going to have to pull stuff out of it in order to get back to get close to what the average running time that those days of a movie was, which was 90 minutes. So they they cut about 10 minutes out of it, and then they did a series of test screenings after that where they then continued to excise bits of footage until they got down to its final running time of uh of an uh an hour and 41 minutes which is where it still stands today there were uh if i only had a brain was a much longer performance and dance sequence if i only had a heart was a much longer sequence it had more verses more time there was a there was a sequence in which it led up to finding the yeah. tin man i had was- to learn all those lyrics and that sucked when it you was, watch the movie and you find out that not in the film. Right. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So there was uh, there was an entirely one whole tire musical sequence called the Jitterbug, which uh, the reference to is still left in the movie where the Wicked Witch of the West says to the monkeys, you know, go get her and bring her back. I've sent an insect to slow them down. But that's never that reference was left in the film but it makes no sense because they've cut the entire sequence. And apparently she sent this multicolored bug called the Jitterbug, which was eventually got them. And I don't know if it enchanted them into like this whole song and dance number that was very, uh, just very 20 style kind of swing routine kind of dance that they yeah. would all, you know, then the monkey that would give time, it would give them time for the monkeys to fly over, I guess. And, and then intercept them. Um, but that whole sequence was cut out. There was a reprise. It was of, probably good that it was cut out. That probably well, that's the thing. It's like and the, like if they put in the extended versions of you know the um scarecrow and the mm-hmm. tin man, it probably would get boring and you would lose interest. I mean, as a movie, right. you want to see like da da da. You want to see everything move along. The there was a reprise of Over the Rainbow which Deirdre and I actually listened to today, which is on the, the Rhino two disc soundtrack that when she's imprisoned in the witch's castle and she's, you know, she's looking at the, she's, you know, watching the, the, uh, the hour. Yes. Um, is there video of that part? No. So there, uh, there's a scene that they cut where she's, leading up to the part where she goes over to the crystal and says, I'm scared, Auntie M, I'm scared. That's the end, the very end of a minute, minute and 20 second long reprise of her read singing like two or three lines from over the rainbow while, while crying. And it's, they basically brought the entire crew to tears yeah. When they filmed the scene, she's like hardly like she's, singing. She's she's literally like sobbing. Yeah. And, and he took that out because they didn't want suicides in the office. Right. In the, in the audience. Dude, it's it's brutal. 
it is absolutely brutal just to listen to in the audio i mean the they have audio of all the other stuff obviously because the music was all recorded but all of, there's no there's no video footage of any of this stuff it doesn't exist anymore it's such a shame apparently though there is footage of the jitterbug sequence harold arlen the guy who wrote the music for all of the for the film he actually filmed the rehearsals of the jitterbug sequence on a handheld camera, like a 16 millimeter or eight millimeter, something like that. And apparently his family still owns those reels of footage. And that's the only existing footage of that sequence. All that other, all that other footage is long gone. Wow. So Bert Lars costume was made of a real lion skin. Uh, and, and it weighed about 90 pounds. And obviously shooting underneath those old arc lights in the studio, uh, he used to set, he used to sweat so much that by the end of the day, his costume would literally be soaked, especially from like the ankles up. And there were two guys whose only job it was overnight was to dry out the costume and make sure that it was ready and dry by the morning. So he could put it back on. He said it was clean several times during the shoot. They're like, but it still stank. Why did they make it out of? It was 1930, whatever. Yeah, and they, they, made, have... they made one. They had, one they hero had like, level costume. They had fabric. They had. Yeah, but they didn't have. They probably didn't have imitation fur like we have now. Who knows? You know, breathable, breathable yeah. uh, fabric, breathable cotton. You know that kind of. We have we have so many things now. They just didn't even have then. Yeah, but even if you look at the other costumes like the tin man for instance like they had pieces that they put on his legs but then if you look like at his waist that whole part it just looks like he's wearing like a silver diaper underneath <laughs> kind of no seriously no like, i know and is he, and he was like wearing like silver rubber gloves you know right but and like they would like, like his hands couldn't there. even fit in there and it just looked like they found some things and tossed them together, and yeah, and the makeup made one one guy deathly ill. So exactly, I mean, Buddy Epson, <laughs> Grandpa from the uh, Beverly yeah, Hillbillies. Yeah, no good. So the movie was uh, so popular with audiences that MGM did consider reuniting the original cast for a sequel, but uh, they never got past the, del- the development stage because. In the intervening years, Judy Garland had become such a major star. And uh, Margaret Hamilton also expressed hesitation uh, at reprising her role because she had had so much of her own footage cut in the 20 minutes of the footage that was cut from the film, from the original cut. Uh, There was a lot of Wicked Wet to the West stuff that was cut out just because they felt that there was already enough of her and she was so overwhelmingly scary and coming across like so, so strong that they cut out a lot of her stuff, her other stuff that she had in the film. She was really awesome. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and it was funny because uh, Judy Garland had said that it was so in later years, it was so difficult to be scared of her because Margaret Hamilton was so like such a nice woman. And it's like, they like, they like completely bonded on the set yeah. just as like, you know, a 16 year old girl in this established, you know, woman actress, you know, and that was the other thing, too, is like she was 16 playing like a 12 year old, what was supposed to be a 12 year old in that in that role. Um, they had her in a corset to the whole shoot to try and make her look less 
developed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's just so much background stuff on this movie. You know, you could, we could spend another hour talking about all the crazy, all the crazy. I mean, the the Pink Floyd thing is one of the one of the funniest and just strangest things. I mean, David Gilmore himself has said it's absolute absolute rubbish. Uh, just you know, there's nothing. You know, they didn't none of this, but it's listing off the the weird coincidences and the timing is just crazy. Yeah, I've never seen it myself. Like I've never seen the the how it ties into the the entire album myself. But yeah. I've been I've heard it's it's absolutely phenomenal. It's uh. You know, they listed some of the, a handful of the of the bits on on this list. The line balanced on the biggest wave comes as Dorothy balances on the fence. Uh, the song on the run starts when Dorothy falls off the fence. The song us and them starts when Dorothy meets the Wicked Witch of the West. Great gig in the sky starts when the tornado first appears. Just these strain. The lunatic is on the grass line takes you know happens on the album when dorothy's meeting the scarecrow the change know. scene with money uh starts with the with the coins right isn't there a a moment where the the coins are being that one that one's not listed here but they said when they first see miss gulch on her bicycle is you when the song time starts with all the bells and chimes you know uh if this when the scarecrow is singing if i only had a brain uh brain damage is playing <laughs> Side one of the original vinyl recording of Dark Side of the Moon up to the end of Great Gig in the Sky is exactly as long as the black and white portion of the film, 19 minutes and three seconds. Like wow. to the point. It's just it's crazy the number of coincidences that are, you know, that 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 have taken place. You know, the, the when Dorothy listens to the Tin Man's chest, the album is ending on its first time through and that ends on a heartbeat. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of weird, a lot of weird stuff. I would, I would love to just do that and throw the, the CD in the player and, and play the movie along with it sometime just to, just to see how, if there's anything in the second act that things line up with as well, you know, cause obviously you'd have to run through it a few times yeah, in order to, uh, to get through the whole movie, but. Strange and interesting story. And then, uh, and then obviously, uh, you know, we live across the river, from from the uh there's a castle that was the uh that was known by the production designer who worked on the film and it's the inspiration for the witch's castle uh in the film one on the hill over there by garrison yep yeah 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 Yeah. right across the river from us yeah that's that's fun to drive by in the wintertime because all the trees are gone and you can see it perfectly up there on the hill it's funny it's uh, every time you look at it it's that's what you think of it because it's just it's just that's what it is you you just happen to have a castle up there you know like yeah and not only that but then in stony point is the house that is the uh inspiration the inspiration for the house in psycho Mm -hmm. because hitchcock saw the house in stony point and he's like, that's exactly what I want the house to look like. And that's why it's got. No, that it st- wasn't Stony Point. It's Havistraw. Havistraw. Sorry, Havistraw. Yeah, it makes more sense. Because yeah. Havistraw is creepier. Yeah, it's. <laughs> well, they've, got the, they've got the gravy. We've driven. <laughs> yeah. It's like two houses before the gravy section. Yeah. 
but it's you go right by it and you like you look over to your left and you're like holy fuck yeah my friend lives in the same town as the uh as the amityville house and so we've oh, seen in it amityville. On, yeah we've seen it yeah we've seen it and yeah way too many times <laughs> to, to they, be comfortable they still have the high people, hope sign out front <laughs> yeah there's people living there been, i'm sure there a, are yeah yeah they don't yeah, care it's like, we got this for this. We got this get, for a steal. Yeah, well, they, they, <laughs> yeah get more, right. they get more annoyed at the people who fucking drive by and take pictures at all hours. Of the Hell day yeah. Night. Of which I was one of the many. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, you live in New York. That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. You're going to what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, that's the Wizard of Oz. Because, 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 because. 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 <laughs> so, I guess this is what it means to go down the tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. So we're starting off with the USA. This is the standard 39 release. This is a terrible poster for the movie that it, it represents. Yeah, well, <laughs> movie posters in the 30s weren't known for their, <laughs> their fantastic level of uh, exposition. Apparently not. Wow. This was they were really, like, oh, we 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 sunk all our money into this film. So I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't put a ton of these in here. But there, this movie was re-released, and I mean, it was released in '39. It was re-released in '49. It was re-released in '55, before finally premiering on television in '56. So there are actually there there are so many domestic yeah. release posters for this film of varying styles and designs, and you know, they're all they're all pretty typical. Uh, it's do you have any way of knowing is this is this the very first this is this is this this is the 39 release this is the original one of the there's there's two different versions this is this is one of them the other one this was like an extravagant poster for 1939 the other one was the other one was a photo montage kind of thing that they put together that which was super ugly (laughs) okay it was it was just dull it was just like yeah like they photo they but they didn't photoshop they clearly cut out with scissors the you know and stuck them on a big thing and re rephoto and photographed them. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, it's of the era. I mean, it's 39. This is the, this is what you got. I mean, you got retouched black and white photographs. Uh, the wizard looks like Christopher Lee, you know, it's, yeah. Look at Dorothy <laughs> like, all the way down on the corner left. Like, Oh, like, the cartoons that's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the cartoons don't match up at all with any of them. But you know, kind of scary. Biggest sensation since Snow White. This was like their big. This was their Disney killer. This was the whole. You know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs had come out the year before or two years before and done gangbusters at the movie at the box office. And this was their like, you know, Disney had tried to get the rights to Wizard of Oz, and MGM kind of snuck them out underneath their nose. So they were trying to. Trying to outdo Disney. So well, you it's arguable as to whether they succeeded or not. It's yeah. uh there's there's a case to be made that they they totally be especially this being live action and Snow White only being a cartoon. I don't mean only. Yeah. But you know. Uh so next is a, a UK poster. A little better. Yeah, I, I don't know why everyone has to draw the the wizard as this. Uh, like he's it's a pre- he like looks like the priest from the exorcist he's getting a finger in his ass at the same time he's like oh 
The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, I don't know why he, the power he reads of, as a priest to me. The power of poppies. It's that white thing on his neck. It's like right. he's like, yeah. Um, but he's, he's all surprised because he's like, oh, they caught me. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. I'm not. There's no wizard. No. Whoops. I'm James Franco. Whoops. Oh, no. Uh, so next is a poster from France, again, from the original release. That's a lot. I mean, contextually, it's a lot better. You know, like yeah. as a concept of the film. Yeah. I mean, a, the city's not green. I don't know it, why they. It gives away that, uh, right. Like, you know, that it's going to be in color, though. It's, it's like, like green up to the build, up to the city, and then the city's not green. That's stupid. Yeah. It's more, it looks more like the Disney, the, the Disney Magic Castle. Right. Yeah. Right. Or the, the Princess Castle, or whatever the fuck. And it's why called. do they have um, the wizard going with them along the Yellow Brick Road? Yeah, because they didn't watch the film. Yeah, they just made yeah. They, were, they were they they were given <laughs> a bunch of. But that's the inside of the Warner Brothers bugle, right? Whatever that those that the borders are. Yeah, it kind of looks like it. Yeah, that, Dorothy's that... wearing a pink dress. Yeah, and a crown. <laughs> so next is the Italian. Uh, what the heck? Oh, okay, okay, all right. If you I, remember I like, the beginning, yeah, uh, I, I like the I like the painted, I like the the artwork, but yeah, just, this is really good. It doesn't, uh, I mean, it does allude a little bit. Again, she's in a pink dress with a pink bow. Uh, strangely but enough, the thing is, I don't like that some of these posters mention Technicolor because then that kind of ruins, yes, the surprise of when it turns from black and white into color. I agree. They shouldn't have put that on there. Yeah, but I mean, you got marketing from a marketing standpoint, they spent a lot of money on the color. Exactly. So they're, they're, they're money gods are going to tell them, look, I need you to mention that this is a, yeah, this is a color film. <laughs> well, um, no, but they could have done like, um, put the, you know, the guy with the, head thing on he was not the wizard he was the what do you call him professor marvel yes so he could have been in black and white and then they could have just put like that bubble with the witch in color and not explain why you know they could put dorothy and that guy Outside of the bubble and well, I mean, right. just because the movie poster is painted in color doesn't wouldn't mean that the film was in color anyway. That wasn't a standard well, thing that's anyway. True. That's the true. The Technicolor is what gives it away. Uh, same that's as on, same as on the next one, the Spanish poster. Good likenesses, though. There's something yeah. about her likeness that reminds me of somebody else, though, that I can't put my finger. But she's on got it. a very like, non-distinct face. You know? yeah, but it's like mm. overly done. She looks like an old man. They're all just a, just the smallest bit off when you look at the, all the faces. They all just seem to be not quite on. But that's you know, that's here or there. Uh, so next is the first artist poster by Alex Hess. Wow, they're very pretty. Yeah, I like this. I like this one. They even got some of the. Uh, 
some of the points on the witch where the makeup didn't even, didn't completely yeah uh re, you know uh saturate the entire mm-hmm. the surface of her skin nice yeah it's nice it's nicely I done. like the black background I think that's really bright like you know that that brightens all the other colors uh right. behind yeah. it makes everything else jump off the off the poster yeah I agree with you agreed uh, next is a piece by Anastasia Key and Tony Stevens. I don't know if I like image so much, but I do like the break between the black and white and the color. I don't I don't like how it's portrayed, but I do like the fact that it's black and white on one side and color on the other. I just wish that maybe the color side didn't have all the characters just leaning up against the door because they weren't all there together and it's weird. And then this in this poster Glinda's clearly in on it. Yes. <laughs> this this, they, this poster substantiates my theory that she well, knew they all just <laughs> threw in all the characters. Yes. And it's just like man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's plus they're much huger than her, so the <laughs> whole perspective is off. No, well, she was a little girl, and they were all adults. But still, they're larger the than size life. Of them, uh, I do like it. I like the concept, not the execution. I don't like the delivery. Fair enough. Next piece by Ann Benjamin. Nice, I like it. It's just them in the dark forest. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's Simple nice. Photoshop wash. Yeah. It just doesn't capture the essence of the movie. That's true. It's just one shot. Yeah. One little tiny. Yeah, aspect. you would you would need to know the movie to to appreciate the the poster. But I mean, right. if you know the movie, if you're in on it, it's a it's a great image. You know, it's a great callback, in my opinion, and it highlights some of the creepiness of the film. Which nobody really talks about. There's a lot of creepy moments in that film, and it's done really well. Even the, the uh, like the sign that's like, "I would turn back if I were you." <laughs> like that's an awesome piece of the movie, and it's just like a little second of seeing that little piece yeah. of sign, and that's seriously creepy and ominous. Um. That it was awesome. We didn't talk about the fact that the when the Wicked Witch is doing the skywriting with Surrender Dorothy, uh, <laughs> there was a part they cut out from it that the original message actually says Surrender Dorothy or die. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> they, and they, they cut that bit out. It makes more sense, you know? Yeah. It's like Surrender Dorothy or what? You yeah. know? Wait, like, surrender no. Dorothy to me or <laughs> yeah. Surrender Dorothy, you surrender? Yes. Right. Yeah. Which- could you define that a little better? I think the old witch is losing her mind. That's right. She's skywriting again. <laughs> Bring me donuts. <laughs> but it's not like Dorothy, she just is trying to find her way home. So, and she doesn't know how to get the shoes off of her feet. So, do you think that if she knew how to get the shoes off of her feet, she wouldn't give them? to the Wicked Witch of the West and be like, fine, I just want to get home because I just have to follow the yellow brick road, which has nothing to do with 
with the ruby slippers that are on my feet because she didn't know what they were worth. That's right. That's true. So why wouldn't she just be like, fine, take these shoes? She tries. She tells her to take them at one point and they shock her. The Wicked Witch. No, Linda tells her. No, and- when the Wicked Witch tries to take the shoes yeah. from her after she's right. like, "Fine, her. take the shoes." But Glinda's there, and she's the one that probably made them stick on Dorothy's feet. So, what if somewhere along the lines, like Dorothy could never take them off? She could have just, you know, the, the Wicked Witch of the West could have just changed her track. You know, she just she could have just showed up with food on the road and been like, yeah, I, I can see you guys haven't eaten anything in a while. You haven't, you know, the, the, the woods have been pretty mean to you. Why don't you give me those shoes? I'll send you home. That's all she had to do instead of throwing fireballs to showing up and threatening people, sending fly monkeys. Right. You know, she probably would have gotten those shoes a lot earlier in the film. Or why threaten everybody else and just cut off Dorothy's feet? Oh. Well, that's a little darker than they probably wanted (laughs) to go. They dropped the house on her sister. Not on purpose. You you had a purposely drop. You're talking about purposely dropping somebody's feet off. I mean, come on, that's that's not (laughs) a house accident. Body off and left left her feet sticking out. Which was Margaret Hamilton's legs, by the way. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Until they they rolled up. Before they rolled up. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next is a poster by Graham Irwin. I get it, but it's cute. It's kind of book covery. Yeah, Ch- children's book covery. Yeah, really. It's a little mechanical. Except for the except for the really strangely serene look on Dorothy's face. Like, yeah, she seems it's her very eyes. Yeah, she's very she's very resigned. And to why this, is uh... and why is the lion Asian? <laughs> they all kind of look Asian. Dorothy looks a little Asian. Put them up. Because them everything up. is like kind of like spread out on her face. Yeah. And look at Toto. He looks Toto's like very that, obedient. That like <laughs> waving cat almost. The happy cat. Yeah. yeah maybe. I will say that she whoever the, the artist Graham captured the likeness. Like I get it. Like it does look like a an immediate yeah. tie into the film, not mm-hmm. just the story, but the film. Correct. But you see, that's uh, the thing. There were a ton of posters out there, and uh, the majority of them were based on the original story because then you don't have to pay any rights because it's public domain. Right. So if you stay away from anything that's tied directly to the film imagery, you don't have to pay a licensing fee. You don't have to, you don't have to try and go through Warner Brothers. So even though this is an MGM film, it's owned by Warner Brothers. Um, next is a piece by Kyle Lambert that was done for the 75th anniversary. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Kyle's pretty good. <laughs> you think? Oh, yeah, you can see it. Yep. You can see it. The essence of all the major characters. And the, the, the scenery, the setting. He, this is all right. Oz. All of it is mm-hmm. just... Yeah, that's this is the best he one. He has the feet in the side. <laughs> that's right. 
Oh, except for this one section over here. I don't know what. No, okay. I guess you can call that the house. There are little munchkins all the way on the bottom on the right. Yep. <laughs> well, that's the, the start of the yellow brick road this, in the middle this, of. Around the spiral. Yeah, in the middle of Hobbiton. <laughs> uh, next is a piece by Nicholas Delort. Yeah, very. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I, I, I'm just. I like his work a lot. I have a, a really beautiful Jaws poster he did. Very Bernie Wrightson esque. I like Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein very, feel to it. It's very linear. <clears throat> it's green. I like the, you know, the shading of it all, but I also feel like the part of the Wizard of Oz that's in the crystal ball mm-hmm. like that's representing most of the movie and then the whole other part is representing small parts of the movie and also she's holding a lightsaber which is not real in the middle of, in the middle of mordor <laughs> she's holding a broom handle yeah Okay, next is uh, a piece by Sam <laughs> Bentley. Uh, okay, it's yeah, it's fine. It's the likenesses are good. It's just there's not much to it. Yeah. I do like that they put the witch in in silhouette. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's it's nicely, pretty a nicely hand a little bit, but other than that, there's. And I like the color gradations in the in the wall yeah. behind them with the textures. That's nice. Yep, that's not as good as the uh, the 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 seventy fifth anniversary one. That yeah. one's taking a cake. Yeah, and finally is a piece by Tom Whalen. Nice. I like the the Wizard of Oz logo, um, and the 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 concentric circles with the rainbow, and then the um, the the strangely the strange Illuminati pyramid that's actually the yellow pick road that's leading from it. <laughs> but uh, the I don't know about the witch and Dorothy. Okay. Very. I think if I think if he took those out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird that they have like okay, um Dorothy Dorothy has Toto and then the witch has the flying the monkeys, monkey. which makes sense, but it's kind of weird because it's almost like a little family tree. You know, it's funny, the longer I stare at it, the more it makes sense. I just uh, it just doesn't. It's good. It's very good, but it's not. It's okay. You're pulling a Statler and Waldorf on it. You're like, yeah, yeah that was okay. Actually, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best poster we got. Um, I like it. It's just yeah. okay. That's fair enough. Conceptually, it's really yeah. sharp, though. There was, I, there was I a think. there was an absolute shit ton of stuff I could have put in there. I just didn't want to flood it with a whole bunch. You didn't of, want to do a shit ton of and, stuff. That's, and I'm glad. Pabst Blue Ribbon is good. It's a good beer. Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Oh, Blue Ribbon. the next time I'm on, if I will ever be on. No, again. not Midnight Madness. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, that is exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, I knew Come it. on! No idea what you guys are talking about. You, you don't are like the only person I've ever met who knows what that movie is. Seriously. I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> that's it. Movies. I haven't met any. 
anyone who has seen that movie except now for you and how have we not talked about this before i, I don't know not sure but <laughs> we, and i'm not sure we're going to talk about it now we've never had the paps blue ribbon thing come up all right well we, is that, that something involved, is that something involving Midnight Madness? Yeah, it's yes. a it's a it's a big deal, and it, Paps Blue Ribbon is a big deal in Midnight Madness. Midnight Madness is just a movie about is a it as big a hunt. deal as it is in Blue Velvet? Yes. <laughs> okay. It is. They go to the Paps Blue Ribbon Brewery. Oh, so nice. it's a big deal. <laughs> oh, David Naughton's in it. It can't possibly be bad. <laughs> and Michael J. Fox is in it. Oh, you said you said the word good wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stephen first. Oh, this has yeah. got everybody good at it. Yes, it does. <laughs> when the midnight man starts to get to you. All right, just stop. Just please stop. That's just... When I was a kid, it was one of my favorite films. When I'm I gonna, grew up, now I'm going to have to go find it now because clearly no. I feel like I'm missing out on something, you know, no, incredibly awesome. Oh, come you're on. Totally I'm not. so excited. Next time I'm on, if I'm on ever again. I suppose we can talk about Victor Fleming. If if not, we can call it a night. I don't know anything about Victor Fleming. Besides um, the fact that he directed uh, this and Gone with the Wind in the same year. Yeah. Other than that, I guess that's a that's a pretty which, uh, which, which were then prestigious both, career. Right both there, nom- both nominated for Best Picture the same year, and uh, he won wow. for Gone. He won for Gone with the Wind. That's quite an That's accomplishment fix, that everybody else who was on uh, both he was came, nominated for both M- and won one and he uh, mgm brought him in on both jobs to replace a director they didn't have any confidence in and so basically he so he bats clean up and uh everything and made everything wonderful it's a bummer that this guy died in at the age of 59 because I think that he would have had a lot more really interesting films in him. Yeah. And other than the fact that at least two people that I found said that he was pro Nazi oh. uh, and, well, and did not want the U S <laughs> to get involved in world war two. They, everyone who ever worked with him said he was a, a fantastic director. Oh, that's right. That's kind of burying the lead. Though. <laughs> no, I know. Especially, especially nowadays. Um, but he directed the. Uh, he it directed was a... a different time. Of course. I don't know. Correct. <laughs> of course, it was a different time. Yeah. But we I must mean, remember he's... that this was a different time. And it's interesting too that if you go back through his his list of credits, he's got eight other films that he's listed as director uncredited on. So uh-huh. it's like you wonder how many movies that he came in to finish up or fix for studios. Yeah, he was you know, the cleanup. He was a, yeah, the and cleanup one of them, guy. One of them is the original Star is Born. It's funny to see these guys who they would make like four or five, six movies a year. And then it got into the the talkies and all their production drops off to like at best two, maybe three. Yeah, because they can't, they yeah. apparently can't handle well they didn't have to worry about syncing up sound or anything in the old days all they had to do was just shoot you know they could talk over while they were filming and be like all right yeah move over to the left go over to the left more 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 now go to that because they had a completely different style of art yeah totally different operation yeah i mean this guy's got a decent catalog i've never seen gone with the wind so i can't really judge 
that against the wizard of Oz. But uh, I mean, I think the wizard of Oz, I mean, those two movies are clearly going to be the pinnacle of this guy's career. I, I tried to watch gone with the wind on AMC. They were showing it, Um, but they, they had like um, intermissions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I seriously sat down and tried to watch it. And I don't know. I couldn't get through the whole thing. It was just kind of painful. <laughs> that was one of my mom's favorite films. And I, I just never. Uh, I tried. I, I never Gone had an interest. I just never had an interest in it. I just, I'd never, you know, I heard amazing things about it. I just, I just never had a draw to it. And I'm sure somebody somewhere will pick it and will you know, we'll watch it's all. A, four, we'll watch all I four just, hours of it, and it's a fascinating film. Well, I mean, like, I just hated Scarlet. Like, I hated her. She that's was a problem. I think that's kind of awful. the point. And it's like, how am I supposed to get on board with her? You know, and this whole thing, and she's. I, I mean, oh, you know, maybe she's supposed to be awful for part of it, and blah blah blah, but. Oh uh, God! It was just like drawing on and on. As God is my witness, I will never be lonely again. Uh, the eighth greatest film of all time by Entertainment Weekly. It's a powerful film. I mean, look, yeah. I can't deny it. I don't like a lot of the elements in the film and a lot of the well, elements that went into it. making the film, but it's a it's a substantial piece. You can't right. You can't erase I, the, the, the substantiality of it. You I know? will um, give it a second try. If I find the time, I will. Yeah, give it when are you guys going to get the time to sit down for four and a half hours to watch Gone with the Wind? That's that's the real well, question. I yeah, watched a four and a half hour documentary about can. 80s horror films on Sunday. Yeah, because morning. you wanted to, not because you felt like, well, maybe if we do it for the show, you'll do it. But if you're right. just on a whim, you ain't, no, but you ain't cracking that novel we open. Should watch it. Right, it's one of those that we should. I'm well, yeah, but that list is plenty long already. <laughs> yeah, I should watch. Mm-hmm. Come up every single week. So that's about it. Anything you'd like to plug, dear? Other uh, than you into the bed. Um. Yes, I would like to plug my happy electric, hour electric blanket. Instagram. <laughs> every weekly talkie show no i have nothing to plug except how cute my dogs are that's something <laughs> and they're all they're already asleep <laughs> yeah they're like nah we're out yeah we're, we, we we have decided not to participate that's right <laughs> yeah they are dead to the world do that so all in the evening <laughs> Thanks for coming out with us. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> and uh, yeah, there you go. Thanks to Festly and Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. So you can always listen to new episodes of, at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For a song guy, when Lathan Conger III, Deirdre Brooks, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and munchkin manufacturer, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. 
In the words of James T. Kirk, you know. I'm going to eat your heads. <laughs>